Welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got another great show lined up for you. You know, Tony, uh, a while ago, we did a show on the biggest mistakes that homeowners make. We called it the biggest DIY mistakes. We had so much information. We're going to do a part two today. Yeah, we really uh, only got about halfway through the list there. There's we hit the really big ones, I feel like. But as we read through um, all of the things that we wrote down, um, these are some really good things that we didn't cover. So I agree. You could call it biggest DIY mistakes or you could call it biggest remodeling mistakes. I think we were talking about um, larger projects when we were doing the last show. But but, you know, there's stuff in here for everybody. There's little projects and big projects and, uh, and you know, just everyday takeaways for projects that you might take on for yourself. And yeah. I, it's a really good list. I, it's useful. Well, some of these are going to be like DIY mistakes. You know, if you're you're a weekend warrior and you're doing your own projects, some of these are for that. But, it, but some of these are if you're hiring it out. If you're a, a homeowner and you're getting a project done, you've gone out and hired a contractor. There's a lot of mistakes to be had there. Yes, there's no question. Communication with the people that you're working with. I mean, one of the things that we talked about in the first show, one of those things was choosing the right contractor. You know, we could talk about that for an hour. Just that one thing. We have. We've had contractors on the show to give us opinions and, and different mistakes and things that they've had. But there's nuances underneath that. Even when you choose the right contractor, you still have to be able to communicate well. You still have to be able to trust each other. You know, there's a lot of things that go on after the project starts, even if you've chosen the right contractor. Anyways, we're going to talk about a lot of those nuances. I think we should um, just jump right into the list, get the first item and start working through them right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first one on the list would be probably for the DIYer is underestimating the safety factor. You don't want to jump into a project that you're not capable of doing. And what I mean by that is, for instance, working on a steep roof or using a power tool that you've never used before. You've gone to the store, you bought it, you brought it home and said, I'm going to fire this thing up. Underestimating the safety is when you get into trouble. Um, for instance, like another thing is like being up on a roof again by yourself. I'm sure it happens. People get up on the roof, they fall, land on the ground and have to wait hours for somebody to come home and find them. Look, there are ways that you can work on a ladder by yourself. There are safety harnesses. There's a place to anchor yourself in. There is a, all of these safety precautions that you can take. The only way you're going to work safe is by doing a little bit of research and finding out what do I need? Budget in there a safety harness. Budget in a genie lift if that's what you need instead of a ladder. 
you have to just consider the project and you do that by having a vision of the completed project, right? Going through the steps of the project in your mind, making notes on paper and seeing your way all the way through it. If you're going in and you can't see the end and how you're going to get there, you're bound to run into some trouble. Yeah, totally. And you know, part of the thing with safety is, and I've been there before where you see something that you need to do, you know, for instance, like you just said, renting a genie lift, for example, you have to climb up to do something very high and to do it right, you'd have to spend some money on some equipment or you'd have to spend some money on having somebody come out and do it for you or something like that. And you look at that and go, man, that's going to cost me $500 to in, in a, maybe a week to have somebody come out and do this for me or you know, go out and rent that machine or that lift and bring it in. But the fact of the matter is, it's just not worth the risk. You know, if if the risk is death, <laughs> you know, yeah, you need to consider yeah. spending that 500 bucks. I mean, taking the time to estimate the risks, thinking about the risks. That's exactly what it's saying. Don't underestimate the risks. And here's the other thing I'll just say. We think of ourselves, you and I, I'm going to use you and me as an example, because mm -hmm. I, I don't want to try to speak for everybody. You and I sometimes think of ourselves, we think of ourselves as kind of like superheroes. This is a drill. I've used it before. It's going to be fine. I don't need eye protection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is a saw. I've used it before. I don't need ear protection. I'm only doing one cut. I'll plug one ear with my left hand while I make one cut. <laughs> I'll turn my head, I'll hold my breath, I'll open my mouth wide. You know, we're always making um, shortcuts in order to not take more time or cost more money. And we think to ourselves, well, it, it, it's just me. I'm responsible for myself. I'll be okay. While we may take the safety of somebody else that's working with us more seriously, oftentimes... We don't take our own safety seriously enough. Yeah. And yeah. because and that is because we underestimate the risk. You know, and I'm I've honestly I'm guilty of this. You know, you're cutting something or you're um grinding something and you just throw the squint on. You know what I'm talking about? Yep, the squint. I know the, the squint. I know the power squint. Where you just squint down so hard nothing can penetrate the squint. <laughs> That's right. But it it is <laughs> the Superman squint. It does not work. No, I mean I have seen videos and pictures of people that were grinding something with like a an angle grinder and wearing safety glasses, and the angle the grinder the disc broke and literally stuck into their safety glasses. So if they weren't wearing safety glasses, they probably would have lost an eye. Yeah, that's that's very scary. Have you ever heard of a saw stop? Of course, absolutely. I've used one. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a saw stop, if you don't know what it is, is a table saw that has a safety feature on it that if you touch the blade in any way, if you're cutting a piece of wood and the, your skin touches the blade, it, it has this, like, ground that happens and it will immediately 
drop the blade below the surface yep, of the saw. The blade falls away from you straight down at a speed so fast you can't even see it happen. Yeah, it uses the momentum yep. of the table saw blade spinning. It's amazing. It's amazing. People come out of those things completely with, with like a tiny little paper cut. nick maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing tool. That it's uh it's saved a lot of fingers. Yeah, and hands for sure. <laughs> you know, the other part of uh, safety, Tony, that I would probably, you know, throw out there would be underestimating safety in regards to the project itself. And I get this all the time where people call up and say, hey, I want to build this or something. <laughs> and what, what would I need to do this? Or, or they'll say, I need a beam. I need to calculate a beam for me. And I'll say, well, what's on it? And they'll say, nothing. Right. No, right. there's nothing on it. Oh, there's nothing oh, on there's it. There's literally nothing. There's okay. nothing? Then you don't need a beam. Well, I mean, there's, you know, a roof. Okay, well, how big's the roof? Oh, 40 feet. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's, people don't fully take into consideration, especially if they're building something, like, unpermitted, if they're maybe building a shed or... You know, something like that where they're like, I don't need permits. I don't need a design. I don't need this. I don't need that. And they, in their head, think, oh, this will work. When in reality, it could be a catastrophic failure. So I actually had one last week where a guy hit me up and he he has a large shop, like a huge shop. And he wants to build like a mezzanine in that shop with a second story. And he's telling me, oh, he's like, I just need him for ceiling joists. That's all I need. And he wanted to span like 30 feet. Oh. Yeah. I said, man, that's really far. You know, what What do you need? You know, he's like, well, it's just a ceiling. And and I started talking to him some more. And, and I said, well, you know, you won't be able to put anything up there. He's like, oh, well, we want to store things up there. And I'm like, oh, okay, totally different. You can't just use ceiling joists if you want to store something up there, you know? And it was in a shop, too. I said, are you storing Christmas decorations or engine blocks? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you never know. Sure. Yeah. So people just uh, sometimes negate that risk thinking, well, I just want to do it as cheap as possible. You know, and they don't tell you about the hot tub they're putting on that deck. Right. And that could be a huge catastrophic failure. So this comes right back to... Taking the time, thinking through the project, and I'll even go one step further, talking through the project. You see, when they come to you and they tell you what you want, what they want, and you start asking questions, the more questions they hear you ask, the better they understand their situation. And then they say, yeah, you're right. We are in an area that gets a lot of snow. So even though I'm not storing anything up there, there is a good possibility it's going to have, you know, 500 pounds worth of snow on it at some point. Yeah. And that is the spot when it fails. So anyway, estimating risks on your project, estimating risks with your tools, uh, safety has got to be number one. And that's why we started with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's another uh, big mistake, Tony, is not asking enough questions yeah that's a, that's actually on our on our list not asking enough questions and what we mean by that is everything not asking questions if you're hiring hiring a contractor 
Maybe you're hiring, you know, a just a sub to come in and do something and not asking questions because the last thing you want is to have a sub come in or a contractor come in and you think that they know what you want. You know what I'm saying? You, you assume that you they're assume, mind readers? Yeah, you assume. <laughs> like when you tell them, well, this is what I want, that they, in their mind's eye, they see what you're seeing. Right. I had this happen to me. Yeah. Where I had uh, a piece of, of on, my, on my property, on the side of my driveway, it was, it's very slo- sloped. And water would come rushing down the side of our house and go down this sloped area and take all the bark dust out. And it would just wash it out constantly. So we called a contractor and we told them what we wanted. We said we want rocks and like a dry riverbed type thing, you know, to, that would look good in the summertime. But when it rains in the wintertime, it would wash that water away. He was like, got it. I know exactly what you're talking about. And we didn't ask him any questions. Lo and behold, it is not remotely what we thought <laughs> yeah. and what we had in our mind's eye. Yeah. And I mean, and I explained it to him the best possible way that I could explain it to somebody. And he just said, got it. So that was a mistake by me, not asking questions and not talking to that person enough and making sure that he understood exactly what I wanted. Right. Uh, and what goes along with that, not asking enough questions, is assuming too much. Assuming too much. Uh, I think that we need to... This is like taking on a big project without getting an agreement of some kind that's signed by a couple of guys, and they both have copies of it, and they both agree that the words that are on that agreement Oh, make sense for both of them. And I'm not talking about some 20-page contract either. Get a piece of paper. It has a little drawing of the thing you're doing, right? And some uh, a brief description of what the project is going to be like and what it's going to look like when it's done and how it's going to play out. And then you both agree on it and then sign it. Then at the end, you know, when you go back and say, is this what this says? Is this look like this picture? are all of these things that we signed done, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, if you both agree on it, some sort of uh, written agreement, then you're going to be increasing your chances of success for sure. Well, in this go, you know, this is basically what we're getting at here is for hiring a contractor or a general co- or a, uh, or just a sub, right? That's where kind of what you're getting at there. And that honestly is a huge mistake on both parties. If you're hiring anyone, any sort of subcontractor or anything to come on your property, the biggest mistake I see all the time is they don't ask questions about their CCB license. They don't ask about their insurance. They don't ask about previous projects, previous projects, seeing pictures of their work. You can absolutely ask a contractor to show you pictures of the type of work and quality that you would expect from them. And if you don't get that, then that's totally on you. Right. And if you have a contractor who says to you, I don't do contracts, just a handshake. Right. Pay me now, pay me half now, half later. 
and then you give them the uh, $3,000 to go buy materials, and you never see them again. Right. That happens all the time. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah, there's a red flag there for sure. 100%. There's a lot of things that you that you could pick up on when you're trying to hire a contractor, but the number one thing you should rely on is word of mouth. Use a contractor that someone you know had a good experience with. I mean, there you know so many people that have had work done. You just have to communicate with them, find out how they felt about the work, and then use that person. There's two things that happen there. One, you get somebody that does a good job because somebody that you trust is telling you they did. Two, you're rewarding that contractor for doing a good job by giving that contractor more business. It's really a win-win for everybody. Referrals is the very best way to hire a contractor, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's a good tip. Definitely a tip. I wouldn't say that's a big mistake so much because, you know, I've seen it where people have hired contractors that you've talked to and they, you you know, referrals and they ended up being a total, you know, flop because you and your friend, your friend says, oh, this person is amazing. You need to hire this contractor. They are so great. And in their mind, they think that contractor's great because he's cheap. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in your mind, you think, oh, he's great because he does great work. Well, that comes back to how many questions did you ask? Well, there you go. <laughs> <clears throat> but I know plenty of people like that. They'll say, oh, this person is a great contractor. Just to find out they're only great because they're, they don't charge hardly anything. This next one on here says underestimating costs. I know that in the last show we talked about budget, right? How important it is that you have a budget and that you understand that budget. And then you have even the ability to go over that budget, like maybe some, some, you know, some flex money in there. But let's talk about this from a little different angle. Underestimating costs. We've just come through a year where the market doubled, even more than doubled in the cost of so many building materials. Mm -hmm. There is no way anybody could have seen that coming. And there's no way that they could have known it would have gone as far as it did. Building material suppliers got to a point where their quotes that they were doing were good for one week. That's it. Five days. At the end of five days, you need to quote it again. Yeah. Underestimating the cost of material by getting a quote and then waiting too long to purchase and finding out that you've been working off of numbers that are simply not right because the market is disallowing it. Yeah. In a volatile market, that is very keen advice, honestly, because you never know what material costs are going to do. And honestly, lumber is one of those things that, that fluctuates very rapidly. Yes. You know, lumber market is just like the stock market, just like gas prices. It, uh, as, as demand goes up and supply goes low, the costs go up. So you can go in to a project and get a bid with a contractor and they'll say, okay, it's going to cost you this, you know, $250,000 for this, you know, whatever they're building. And by the time you go through permits and get everything lined out and get everything squared away, six, seven months has gone by, 
you could potentially be paying quite a bit more depending on what the, the market has done or less. So that's just something you need to be prepared for underestimating those costs. Yeah, that, that will, can cost you a lot of money, especially if you're far enough into the project that you can't put it on hold or you end up having to put it on hold and that costs you money. So that, that's a very big one and it just requires persistence. Yeah. You got to stay on top of those quotes and make sure that it's not changing. Here is a huge remodeling mistake. Expecting everything to go according to your plan. <laughs> this is this is uh this is never happening. This yeah, is never happening. That's honestly comedy. It really is. Here's the thing, if your project goes according to plan, that is the exception, not the rule. Right. I understand that you can be in you can be a professional and you can build in uh, buffers and you can do it for 20 or 30 years and then that can become a way of life for you. I don't make those types of mistakes because I cover my bases all the time with all the stuff. But we're not talking about that guy or that gal that has been doing it for 20 years and has all that stuff built in. We're talking about a DIYer uh, a weekend warrior that is just learning, that is uh, using the the very last bit of their saved up money, that they're strapped to this budget, and they're on a time crunch, right? That's the guy that's expecting everything to go to plan, and that is a mistake. It will cost you time, money, and hopefully not relationships, but... <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, you know, you could expect to lose everything uh, if you are banking on expectations. Yeah, uh, that's that's a huge one for sure. I totally agree with you. You have to prepare for the worst. Corey and I talk about this all the time. You have to be thinking about the the things that you would not want to see happen. Let's if you say to yourself ever this, well, let's just hope that the product doesn't show up late. You should already be expecting that it's going to be late. You should be thinking about the possibility of it being late and have a plan B. We don't want that to be the case, but you have to at least be thinking about it. If you're not thinking about it, you're doing your dis yourself a disservice and you're setting your project and yourself up to fail. And you don't want to do that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be starting by, by talking about not hiring a designer right from the start that could be a huge mistake we'll be right back don't go away you're listening to the weekend warriors home improvement show built by par lumber now here's tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for staying with us today. Hey, if you haven't already, go check out our Facebook and Instagram page. We are at WW Home Show. Uh, go subscribe to our YouTube channel and click that uh, notification button because we put videos up all the time. Uh, we'd love it if you went and did that. Uh, if you're listening to this show... Uh, and you miss any portion of it, we have a podcast. This is also a podcast, and we, we put these together and we load them up to wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, you name it. Just search the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Uh, or the easier thing to do is to search Par Lumber, and it pops right up. Yep. So P A R R dot com. Yep. Par dot com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link. It'll take you right to our stuff. And I do want to say, if you ever have any questions or comments, and you just want to yell at us or tell us whatever, you can email us. We are Weekend Warriors at Par dot com. We love listening from our, our our listeners, hearing from our listeners. <laughs> Uh, but we love answering questions as best we can, and we get a surprisingly big amount of emails from our listeners. So, before we went to the break, we sort of teased our next topic, which is not uh, the one of the biggest remodel mistakes: not hiring a designer from the start. Corey, do you feel like making a decision to hire a designer is dependent on the size of your project? I mean, like if you're just remodeling your master bathroom. Do you need a designer? I I would actually, yes. So you're right. This sounds like one of those things, right? Why why do I need a designer? It seems kind of ridiculous. Um, but it, it does depend, in my opinion, on the size of that project. I mean, if you're doing a closet remodel, you don't need a designer. I mean, maybe if you want to go to California Closets and have them design your closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to be, uh, you know, that's what they do all the time. They're going right. to have that information for you. Right. Um. But a designer, what a, a designer truly does is a, an experienced designer will work with an architect. And if you've ever been to someone's house where they've done a remodel and you, and you thought to yourself, man, what a weird layout. Yeah. You know, or you've <clears throat> been to houses where you've said, man, what a weird layout. <clears throat> Some friends of ours back in the day had a beach house. And it sat perched on this big hill, gorgeous house, gorgeous view. Uh, but you could tell the original home was like maybe 600 square feet. Like it was just this little cabin or something. And then they added on over here. And then they added on again. And they added on over here. And then added on again. And it seemed, the house legitimately seemed like four houses that were smashed together <laughs> into one. And it was the weirdest layout. Yeah. It Nothing made any sense. You know, the, the living room was like 40 feet long and... 12 feet wide. It's just bizarre, you know? Yeah. So, in my opinion, hiring a designer from the get-go on a, a project that would deserve it is something that you will not regret. regret. Yeah. The money that you're going to spend on the designer, this is the way I, I see it. The money you're going to spend hiring the designer will come back to you in the resale value of your home. Absolutely. If you make the design decisions yourself, and I'm not saying that you're not capable, but if you make the design decisions yourself and that's not your mm, forte or your career, let's even just say that, then there is the potential for you to make decisions based on your own feelings instead of on uh, percentages maybe. And then when you're reselling your home, you're not getting that 1% of the people that think what you did is cool and the other 99% are not buying and that causes you to have to lower the resale value of your home and then uh, you're not getting what you're asking for. When you hire a designer, you get somebody who's out there seeing it, doing it all the time, walking through newly built homes. They know what's hot. They know what's contemporary, what's current. They know what people are buying right now. 
and they're bringing that to your project. So you're buying success when you hire a designer to help you design your project. And obviously it depends on the size of your project, but I have never actually hired a designer for a project that I was doing. I've worked with designers many times on other people's projects and I see what they bring to the game. I haven't done a project big enough to require a designer yet, but I'll tell you what I have done. I've talked to friends that are designers and I've gotten advice and used it. And that has benefited me. Absolutely. So I can well, definitely see the benefit. I'll tell you what, you know, if you've ever done a major remodel and I know you have, uh, but if you've ever built your own home where you have to make decisions, there are, there are unbelievable amounts of decisions that you have to make from tile to backsplash to flooring to tile grout, paint colors, you know, stain colors, cabinet finishes, cabinet pulls. I mean, there the, the list for the things that you have to choose and pick out is daunting. And if you've ever gone anywhere that specializes in that sort of thing, you know, like contract furnishing smart or something like that, where you go in. Par Design Center. Yeah, Par Design Center, where you go in and there are literally tens of thousands of options for you to choose from. And if you don't have an experienced designer to help you through that process, the stress level is astronomical, you know? And especially when you get to that point, when you get to that point with, say, you've hired a contractor, you've hired somebody to do something, and they come out and they say, well, wh where's your grout? Well, oh, I didn't think of that, nah. you know? Or... They say, where's your grout? And you're like, oh, I don't know. And they say, okay, well, we got it. And they put in something that you absolutely hate. Tan instead of gray. Right, or something. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And that's really the benefit, like the biggest benefit from hiring a designer on the front side to help you wade through all of those things. They're going to, they, they know what works and what doesn't. And especially with layouts and such. Uh, if you're doing an addition, especially because especially. If, you're, if you're taking a current thing and adding on to it, marrying it and redesigning the whole space mm -hmm. to work. I mean, I think it pays for itself. Well, I'm going to just say one last thing about this. If you have built a house or if you're building a house and you're choosing a plan that's already drawn, well... You're hiring a designer because a designer and an architect, you know, drew that plan. They made those decisions already. What did the cabinet layout in the kitchen look like? Uh, what is the, how is the master bathroom laid out? How is the closet tied in with that? Those decisions are all made by a designer and an architect. Right. And so if you're, if you're having your home plans drawn, then that, architect will want to work with a designer in order to get the things the way you want them to be. You communicate with them. They communicate with each other. The job gets done. So ultimately I agree not hiring a designer for the right project can be a big mistake. <laughs> totally. I agree. All right. Next one on the list is starting a project or starting a renovation too soon. Now, what we mean by that is 
Say you've gone in and you bought a brand new house, or say you bought an old house. A fixer-upper? A fixer-upper. Okay. And you go in and you want to do an addition and you want to fix it up and do all these things to it. And you immediately buy it and you immediately start it. But you don't know. What you don't know? What you don't know. You haven't <laughs> lived in the house. Right. You don't, you don't know how you're going to utilize the kitchen, the laundry room, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Obviously, a designer will help you in those situations. But, you know, you're going to do this whole thing. And then a year down the road, you're going to say... Man, why didn't I do this? I agree with that so much. I feel like so often uh, we move into a place. Maybe we bought it or maybe we're renting it or whatever. We move into a place. We set it up the way we we thought we think we want it to be. And then after a few months, we start changing things. Yeah, I don't like that there. I'm going to move that. I really wish this wall wasn't here. The refrigerator space, this refrigerator is going to have to be bigger. It's just not big enough. So the, the refrigerator space has to be bigger. All of, you know, the, I'd rather have a shower than a tub uh, in, you know, in the bathroom. These are things you're going to realize. And as you realize them, they'll help you make the right choices when you choose to start that remodel. But mm -hmm. starting it too soon uh, without having a chance to really ab absorb the space that you're in. I think you're absolutely right. You can start it too soon and, uh, and it will bite you in the end. Or at least at some point. <laughs> All right, what's next on our list, Tony? All right, this is a biggie here. This one is uh, maybe one of the best ones we'll talk about today. Going for the lowest bid. When you are budgeting a project and you've got your list of materials and you've got your, uh, you've got your contractors that you're quoting with and your suppliers that you're quoting with, and maybe you've decided you're going to get three. You're going to get three quotes from contractors and three quotes from a supplier. And you get those all back and you say, wow, this is this contractor is $10,000 less than the other two guys. And this building material supplier is $5,000 less than the other two building material suppliers. I'm going with the cheapest one. I'm going to save a ton of money. Here we go. Bam. You know, that could work. It could. It could. But this is, again, in my opinion, the exception, not the rule. Correct. The fact is, you can't blanket choose. You can't blanket choose. You can't blanket choose the least expensive contractor and blanket choose the least expensive building material supplier and hope that everything turns out good. The fact is, one of the guys or gals that quoted higher... There's a reason for that. You got to ask questions. Get in there with the contractors and ask them. I got a quote from a contractor that was less. Can you tell me why yours is more expensive? You'll find oftentimes, most times probably, that the least expensive contractor has left something out, cut a corner, made a decision that you would not have made, just simply didn't get all of the money in his quote. And one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to hold him to that quote and you're going to get less than his best performance, or you're going to pay what he's asking, but just to get the quality that you deserve for the lower price. Absolutely. It happens all the time. People come in to me and they get a bid on something and they come back and say, Oh, 
so-and-so beat you by $5,000, like like you said there. Yep. Which we know is physically impossible. Right. Because there's not $5,000 in profit. In profit in anything. <laughs> right. And so you know there was a mistake made. Nine times out of ten, when you go through there, they've they've chosen the wrong thing. They've put the wrong siding in. They've put the wrong framing material in. Or, or they didn't include framing for half of the project. And you think, oh, well, I'm saving $5,000. Well, you're not. Because you still need the material. Right. Or, or you get to the end and they quoted you know, one siding and you wanted clear cedar and they quoted James Hardy and it, it's $5,000 less. And they say, oh, well, I quoted James Hardy. Sorry. Yeah, right. And then you're going to have to cough that money up uh, anyway. Right. So the, the fact of the matter is you want, like Tony said, you need to ask those questions. You need to talk through the process. Look through the detailed quote that your contractor gives you to ensure that you're getting what you think you're getting. All too often, the person that's giving you that lowest price is looking to get the job and hit you with the things that you're not anticipating, right? Right. Change orders. Or that's not part of my bid. I'm not doing that. And you still have to do it because you, you need it, but you're not getting what you thought you were getting. Right. I feel like that so often a contractor who feels like he's being shortchanged because of a miscommunication at the quoting process who on whoever's part that it was, a contractor that feels like uh, he or she is being shortchanged has a tendency to cut corners or find a way to make that money back. And that's just not the relationship that you want to be moving forward with. Yeah. Stiffing a contractor because they forgot something and then you put it, you're sticking them to them. You know, you may think, oh man, I'm really getting one over on this guy or gal. Right. But you're not. Yeah, you're you not. Know? It's not going <laughs> to the end. They're going to, the, uh, most contractors are going to find a way to not lose tons of money. Success in a remodel project or new construction or a DIY project that requires some help from the outside success in that project is everyone moving forward mutually beneficial. If when it becomes not mutually beneficial, people start looking to, to, uh, you know, pad, pad the uh, pocket there. That's, I feel like that's because everybody needs to come away unscathed or they want to. Yeah. So it, it just becomes a problem. Anyways, the way you avoid that is by not choosing the lowest bid just because it's the lowest bid. Find out why it's lower. Ask the question. If I quote something for a customer and they tell me that they got a bid that was lower, I say, let me go back over the material list you gave me and make sure I didn't make any mistakes. That's the first thing I do. Yeah, me too. I go back over the whole thing. I make sure I didn't make any mistakes. And then I say to them this. I quoted it exactly the way I see it here. We can go over each of these items and I can explain to you what I was thinking when I did it. But you'll need to compare my list with the other list. And make sure we're quoting apples to apples. Because um, oranges uh, sometimes are less expensive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I feel like we could talk about this for forever because we we live it day in and day out. We live it. And 
It's just, you know, there's no takebacks. In the very end of the project, and you're over budget by $40,000, mm-hmm. and you're having to go back to the bank, and you're scrambling, or you're, you're co- you know, doing cost-cutting measures, you know, you get, you get down to the appliances, and you'd have to buy the cheap appliances, or you have to do the cheap siding, or you have to not put in the, you know, the concrete patio outside, or whatever it is you want. And you got to slash those things off because you thought, and you didn't ask the questions about, you know, what it's really going to cost. Right. So. Absolutely. That that goes with dealing with a experienced and honest contractor. That's right. It's easier said than done, right? Which you chose because you got somebody with a referral. You got somebody who showed you pictures of previous projects. You got somebody who was reputable. Uh, who has a portfolio of other successful projects, right? You do your research and choose the right contractor. And then when you move forward, you don't have those kinds of problems. That's just the way it is. Yeah. You choose the right contractor and you don't have the problems. Well, you know, we've had contractors on the show many, many times. And, you know, one of the other biggest mistakes is not hiring somebody that you fit with. And a lot of that has to do with, these things that we've just been talking about, not asking those questions and not interviewing them, because you have to understand that when you're starting a project with a general contractor or with a builder, it's a very long process. And if you don't get along and you don't have the ability to to manage your own expectations, you're going to be miserable. You really are. So that's, yeah, uh, you're That's absolutely what right. It is. Yep, you're absolutely right. I agree with that completely. It is a huge deal to make the right choice when you're hiring a contractor. Take the time, get references. Yeah. Uh, all right. Another big mistake people make is making too many changes. Oh yeah, <laughs> too many changes. I mean, this is going to affect your budget. It's going to affect your timeline, and on top of that, you're second guessing yourself. You made a decision originally for a reason, and then you move forward, and then you decide to make a change. Did you remember why you made the decision the way you made it the first time? I think sometimes we don't go back and try to remember, why why was I choosing to have that that way, and why am I wanting to change it now? I don't know. I feel like sometimes I make a change, and then I say to myself this exact thing, why did I change that? I should have left it. It was perfect the first time. Oh, we become confused in the middle of a long project or a big project, an expensive project with thousands of decisions to make. We become confused and sometimes we become our own enemy. Yeah. I know I become my own enemy. And I'll tell you one thing, contractors sometimes love changes. They love it because it's off con- it's off contract. Yeah, any anything can be done. It's an opportunity to to make a little bit of more scratch. Right. When you walk when you walk up to your contractor and say, "You know, I really don't like the paint color. Can we change that?" Sure. <laughs> Let's repaint it. You bet. Sure. You know, we have $1200 in paint that we bought. I'm sorry, that you bought, and <laughs> we've already, you know, paid a painter to paint the whole house, so, you know, yeah. Let's just add another $10,000 on there. Why not? Yeah. I mean, that's a, there's nothing wrong with that. If, you've have a, if you have an, an endless budget, 
Sure. Bottomless pockets. Sure. All the money you want to spend. Those um, people exist. Here's one, Corey. Huge mistake. Not setting a timeline. We talked about getting an agreement, a signed agreement. In that signed agreement is going to be a timeline. This is when we want to start. This is when we want to finish. The middle point in there is going to be right here somewhere. Um, and then when you set that timeline and you make an agreement, right, then decide in your mind on how far past that can you go. Mm. How far can you go? Yeah. What What's your actual drop dead? And make sure you make note of that because there's going to be delays. There's always delays, <laughs> right? You can agree on a timeline, but there's always delays. And they're not always within somebody's, you know, it's not, there's not always something someone can do about it. Yeah. The last project that I did um, came in 70,000 over budget. And about five months past when we thought wow. we would get it done. Wow. So. That's big. Those are big numbers. Yep. And yet, the project is done and it turned out great, right? It did. I mean, everything everything comes at a cost. It just and took way longer than we thought. Sometimes it takes longer and costs more. But, um, you know, are, are you glad you did it? Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I have always been too. I, I haven't looked back on a project, even if it cost me more money or took me longer to do, and said, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah, totally. I haven't had that. All right, next big mistake, which we kind of alluded to, uh, est- underestimating your stress. You know, <laughs> doing these projects, especially, you know, would say with a loved one, you know, if you and your partner, your wife or your husband are starting this project together Not, yeah just thinking everything is going to go smooth well you started it together anyway yeah managing those expectations <laughs> for yourself fully understanding you're not going to come in on budget <laughs> most of the time fully understanding that it's not going to get done when you think it's going to get done running into problems supply chain problems which we've all recently heard yep. big problems about yep you know you order a stove and it takes six months to get it that is across the board with everything. So just be pre- be prepared for that, which is part of why my project took so long. You just have to roll with it. You have to fully understand what you're getting yourself into and roll with it. When the stress comes and you start feeling the pressure, the stress pressure, you start making decisions that affect the outcome of your project. You start making decisions to... You, you rush decisions. You rush actions, maybe. Maybe you rush uh, tasks or, or part of the project. And when you start rushing, then the quality, the reason why you're doing it, you know, suffers. Yeah. Uh, last one we're going to get to today is biggest mistake, skimping on quality. Yeah. And, you know, the most expensive thing doesn't always mean the best thing. Um, you know, we talk, we've talked about this many times on the show, choosing the right products or right things for your project, uh, but skimping where you shouldn't ask the professionals, get their opinion, find out the information. Absolutely. And then make the right choice. Things like door hardware, doors, faucets, appliances, kitchen cabinets. Those aren't the areas where you want to skim. Yep. You're right. All right, it's all the time we've got, folks. I hope you got something out of this that you could use. We really appreciate you tuning in. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.